México o los Estados Unidos mexicanos están localizados en el sur de América del Norte. Su capital es la Ciudad de México, una de las ciudades más grandes de la Tierra. México es el sexto país más grande de las Américas y el quinceavo más grande del mundo. Tiene una población de aproximadamente 106 millones y por lo tanto es el onceavo país más poblado. Esta bella nación posee numerosos lugares calificados por la UNESCO como sitios Patrimonio de la Humanidad, tanto culturales como naturales. Entre los sitios culturales, México presenta la antigua ciudad maya de Calakmul, el Tajín, una ciudad prehispánica y las pinturas rupestres de la Sierra de San Francisco, por nombrar algunos. Los listados de sitios naturales según UNESCO Incluyen las islas y áreas protegidas en el Golfo de California y el Santuario de Ballenas de El Vizcaíno. Durante casi 3.000 años México fue el sitio de varias civilizaciones amerindias, las culturas mesoamericanas como la de los Olmecas, los Mayas y los Aztecas. Hoy en día México alberga una riqueza de culturas únicas. Cada región cuenta con una cultura y lenguajes característicos. En años recientes, México se ha tornado más proactivo en sus esfuerzos por proteger el medio ambiente, incluyendo la tema urgente del calentamiento global. En 2008, México fue alabado en el reporte de Banco Mundial Menos Carbono, América Latina enfrentada al desafío de cambio climático, por su estrategia nacional de cambio climático para reducir millones de toneladas de emisión de carbono. Para informar al público acerca de la gravedad del calentamiento global y sus soluciones, los funcionarios del gobierno del estado de Veracruz organizaron varias conferencias de cambio climático, en las cuales la maestra suprema Shinhai fue convocada como la invitada de honor especial. Durante estas conferencias, la maestra suprema Shinhai cortésmente compartió sus percepciones y el mensaje de la solución individual más efectiva e inmediata para mitigar el calentamiento global, la dieta vegana. Ahora les invitamos a unírsenos en la parte 2 de la retransmisión en seis partes de la videoconferencia en vivo con la maestra suprema Ching Hai, titulada SOS, Acción Rápida para Frenar el Calentamiento Global, el 16 de noviembre del 2009 en Orizaba, Veracruz, México. Good afternoon, esteemed leaders, distinguished guests, supportive viewers of Supreme Master Television, and friends. A heartfelt welcome to our conference on climate change, entitled SOS, a quick action to stop global warming. Here in Orizaba, Veracruz, Mexico. We feel very encouraged and truly appreciate your participation today. This conference is being broadcast in World Wildlife on Supreme Master Television via 14 satellite platforms, IPTV, as well as internet on www.suprememastertv.com. 
In addition, it is being aired on live radio in Mexico on XETQ 850 AM Orizaba, Veracruz, XEOB 1240 AM Orizaba, XHPG FM Córdoba, XEDZ 580 AM Córdoba, Veracruz, and Radio Orizaba S.A. Orizaba means region of the high mountains with the magnificent Petal Mountain, highest of Mexico, the health-sustaining mineral springs nearby, we are humbled and ever grateful to how much God has indeed loved and blessed beautiful Mexico. To begin, we have some good news to share with you about some major steps the Mexican government has been taking to protect this precious country. In the face of the most serious drought in 69 years, In October 2009, His Excellency Presidente Felipe Calderón inaugurated a nearly $20 million campaign entitled, Water is Like Your Family, Protect It. All Mexican citizens are being encouraged to take special care to preserve this precious resource. In fact, President Calderón is very committed to taking action to curb global warming. His Excellency has pledged to decrease greenhouse gas emission by 50 tons per year until 2012. Also, in April of 2009, the U.S.-Mexico Bilateral Framework on Clean Energy and Climate Change was released. This document outlines the collaboration between Mexico and the USA in the areas of sustainable energy, protection of forests, low-carbon energy technology, and more. This shows that Mexico is seriously searching for solutions to safeguard our world and is willing to take the necessary action. The state of Veracruz, so rich in natural beauty and resources, is at the forefront for the efforts to protect the environment. A vivid sign of this commitment is the presence of a number of mayors from cities throughout the state. And we would like to stand a warm welcome to them today and introduce them to our local and global audience. First, our host city of Orizaba, Honorable Juan Manuel Diaz Francos. We would now like to recognize the Honorable Nelson Bote Ramos, Mayor of Ixotitlan whose development projects benefit many people in the community. The Honorable Angel Sanchez Rincón, Mayor of Fortín de las Flores, has been very active in providing the necessary help to regions affected by recent heavy rains. The Honorable Juan Antonio Levin Torres, Mayor of Córdoba. His efforts in improving education have helped many students to continue their studies. The Honorable Luis Flores Trujillo, Mayor of Zongolica. Mayor Trujillo has undertaken the task to meet the needs of citizens 
who have just moved to the city. The Honorable Octavio Misael Lorenzo Morales, Mayor of Atzacán. The Honorable Raul Vera Aguilar, Mayor of Rio Blanco. The Honorable Dulce Maria Romero Aquino. Mayor of Camerino Zeta Mendoza. Mayor Romero Aquino has been very active in improving literacy in her city. The Honorable Miguel Romero Retana, Mayor of Nogales. Similar to Mayor Romero Aquino, improving the citizens' literacy and enhancing the education system is one of his priorities. We are also very pleased to welcome the Honorable Fidel Curi Grajales, Federal Deputy of the 15th District. The Honorable Alfonso Torres Gonzalez, Mayor of Mariano Escobedo. We are very honored to have the presence of distinguished guests such as Dr. Eva Campos Solano, head of the sanitary jurisdiction of Orizaba. Ms. Lucina Chua Gonzalez, General Secretary of the Union of Workers of Orizaba. Dr. Emilio Fili de Bernardi, Director of the Association of Friends and Neighbors of the Environment. The Honorable Edgar Curi Grajales, Syndicate of the City Council. And Mr. Cuauhtémoc Alfaro Bustos, Technical Secretary of the Union of Workers of the Social Insurance. Thank you all dignitaries and participants for your very much valued attendance at this conference. We have come together to find the most effective way to save our planet as time is running out. According to experts, global warming is happening at a much faster rate than earlier scientific predictions. Important findings, such as the release by the World Watch Institute, tell us that the livestock industry is responsible for over 50% of the greenhouse gas emission. And this is thought to be a conservative estimate. And reports with newly discovered facts are constantly increasing this percentage. Thus, the fastest way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is to stop its number one source, livestock breeding. Besides her natural beauty, 
Mexico is also the cradle of a number of glorious civilizations. We know that among these splendid cultures of the past, the Mayas face decline because of the over-exploitation of the natural resources. Today, even as we reach the end of the Mayan calendar, the humanity faces environmental catastrophes that the Mayans predicted. Species are disappearing every day. The dead zones in our oceans are increasing in size, and the latest swine flu epidemic is spreading quickly. Today's environmental crisis is no longer the problem of any one culture or country. Ladies and gentlemen, let us watch this short video on climate change, which addresses the urgency of our current situation and proposes a practical solution. Fungi were the first organisms that came to land. 1.3 billion years ago, fungi marched on the land from the oceans. Plants followed several hundred million years later. They were the gateway species and they led the way. And in the trail of mycelium that they created in plant and animal communities, then marched forward upon the mantle of mycelium. Every day, up to 270 species are erased from existence. One third of all animal species have been lost since the 1970s. It is our behavior that caused so much the loss of our planetary species. Scientists have proved it. So we all know that fishing, hunting, polluting the environment are the cause of global warming and the decrease of animal on the planet. And many of the advices to stop often have gone unheed. And it's a pity, you know, we should protect the species because when we protect them, we protect the ecology. And the ecology links with our health, the health of the planet and the people. According to the World Health Organization, the 2009 swine flu pandemic is the fastest ever spreading pandemic in history, with millions today likely to be infected. Canadian agencies have seen a 99% correlation between the number of pig factory farms and the total number of human swine flu cases per province. When we cram tens of thousands of animals into these cramped, filthy football field-sized sheds to life, snout to snout atop their own waste, it's just a breeding ground for disease. Pig and other animal factory farms also create antibiotic-resistant bacteria. In the U.S., where 70% of all antibiotics are fed to farm animals, bacterial infections claim 18,000 human lives each year, which is more than all the AIDS fatalities in the country. Ocean dead zones are increasing. Satellite data from a recent study published in the journal Geophysical Research Letters 
showed that barren zones in the world's oceans increased in one decade by around 5 million square kilometers, an area equivalent to about half the size of the United States. These so-called ocean deserts appear very dark as they lack green chlorophyll from plankton, as with their land counterparts. The deserts are also hotter than surrounding areas. Animal agriculture is largely responsible for these regions that support no life, as fertilizers and manure make their way to the oceans, ultimately robbing it of oxygen and killing marine animals and plants in increasingly larger areas. Since people found out about uh, this talk that I was going to give here today, I've received a number of emails from people that I respect saying that the 18% figure is an underestimate. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a low estimate, and in actual fact, it's much higher. And I just had some information just recently that the new figures now indicate that at least half of the greenhouse gases that are out there now, not, not the 15 or 20%, at least half, and maybe considerably more, are due to livestock production. Greenhouse gases are emitted during virtually every step of the meat-producing process. Of the three major greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide, methane is up to 72 times more potent than CO2, while nitrous oxide is up to 300 times more potent. Sure, we have to deal with CO2 in the long run. But if you want to make an impact on climate in the next 20 years, the place to do it is with the shorter-lived greenhouse gases, most important of which is methane. We have a critical environmental crisis now happening with effects that we're seeing around the world. And if we want to address the warming we're seeing now, the best bang for our buck comes in addressing the other gases, mostly methane, and its number one source, animal agriculture. birds have to fly farther and farther to find a place to nest and the polar bear swims longer and longer now because there is no more ice till sometimes they drown of exhaustion or why the neighboring country has so many floods in recent years so many disasters etc tell them how climate change is affecting real life real animals real people and their own lives as well. But it's also important to show the young people that there is still hope. We can still save the planet. It's a chance to be true heroes by being vegan and spread the news of this solution. Together, we can save lives. As we have seen from this video, a shift to a vegan diet is the solution that makes the most sense to halt global warming. By promptly switching to a plant-based lifestyle, we will greatly reduce greenhouse gas emissions, especially methane, 
and restore the much-needed balance to the earth. We are so blessed that there is still time left to save our planet, and the solution, as presented by Supreme Master Ching Hai and many respected scientists, is so clear and logical. Now, we would like to introduce our first guest speaker, the Honorable Mayor Juan Manuel Diaz Francos of the city of Orizaba, who has prepared in advance a video speech for us that highlights the importance given to the ecologic in this progressive city. Manuel Díez Francos, presidente municipal de Orizaba, Veracruz, República Mexicana. Nuestra ciudad es la cuna del fútbol nacional. Fue la primera en tener un campo de golf y donde las hidroeléctricas se instalaron en el país. Una ciudad llena de historia, pero consciente de que el progreso debe ser sustentable. Es por ello que te envío este mensaje. Tal vez veas esto y pienses, es la naturaleza. Tal vez cuando escuchas el calentamiento global, Pienses en películas de ciencia ficción, en grupos ambientalistas, radicales o peor aún, que faltan muchos años para que se convierta en realidad. Tal vez sigas estando equivocado. Este es nuestro planeta. Muchos científicos auguran grandes desastres naturales, productos del alza de temperaturas en nuestro planeta, inundaciones, hambruna, sequías, heladas, epidemias... Estas serán frecuentes en muchos países. ¿De qué serio? Muy serio. Pero lo peor de todo es que nosotros mismos somos los que estamos colaborando con el calentamiento global de nuestro hábitat. Al utilizar combustibles fósiles, permitir la contaminación industrial y la destrucción de bosques y de las tierras húmedas. Se cree que de seguir aumentando la temperatura, el calentamiento global se repetirá en forma desigual. Será menor en las zonas costeras donde el mar refresca la tierra y mayor en las zonas continentales donde el sol quemará con todas sus fuerzas. A veces la realidad supera la ficción. El destino nos va a alcanzar. El agua contaminada no estará disponible para el ser humano. Evitemos que las siguientes guerras sean por el agua y los alimentos. Debemos revertir los impactos negativos a los ecosistemas, derivados del desconocimiento de la falta de una cultura y educación ambiental. Nos estamos acabando el planeta, a este mundo maravilloso que tanto nos ha dado. Todavía estamos a tiempo, pero tenemos que cambiar nuestra manera de pensar y empezar a actuar desde este momento. En Orizaba estamos recolectando más toneladas de desechos que en muchos otros años. Es una lucha constante por mantener una ciudad limpia. Como este problema, existen muchos. Las futuras generaciones deben estar conscientes de lo importante que es cuidar las áreas verdes, el agua y todos los ecosistemas. Bienvenidos y sonrían. Están en Orizaba. Our many thanks, Honorable Mayor 
Juan Manuel Diaz Francos for your insightful message, for your example, and as well as for hosting this event in Orizaba. Dr. Rajendra Pachaudi, the chairman of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, is our next speaker. His meticulous work with hundreds of scientists from around the world in preparing the scientific report on climate change earned him and his panel colleagues the Nobel Peace Prize. Dr. Pachauri has long advocated to reduce meat consumption to halt climate change. Dr. Pachauri has sent us his message and supporting wishes. Let's take a look. Let me start by first saluting you and greeting you on this occasion. I'm delighted that this major conference is being held in Mexico. Mexico is a remarkable country. You not only have rich tradition and culture, but you also have human values that really can show the way for the rest of humanity. I would like to highlight the serious problem of climate change because this is not merely an increase in temperatures as the erroneous use of the term global warming seems to suggest. What climate change represents is a complete disruption of the climate system, as a result of which we are seeing much higher frequency, intensity and duration of floods, droughts, heat waves and extreme precipitation events. And what is terribly tragic is the fact that the worst impacts of climate change will be felt by some of the poorest communities on Earth. And we also have to be concerned about intergenerational equity. Some of us who have led a rich and full life uh, are obviously leaving a planet that is going to make it very difficult for future generations and those that are yet to come even beyond uh, the next generation to meet their own needs. I would like to remind you that the definition of sustainable development as brought out by the Brundtland Commission report is very simple, but it goes to the heart of the values that we should be exercising to meet the threat of climate change. Sustainable development, as the Commission said, is that form of development which helps us to meet our own needs without compromising on the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Now, if we are going to create conditions by which the climate of this planet is going to get much worse, much more unpredictable, much more erratic, then obviously we are going to make it very difficult for future generations to lead sustainable lives and to be able to promote sustainable livelihoods. So I think there is urgency in bringing about change. We have to reduce drastically and urgently the emissions of greenhouse gases. Now, one means by which we can do that substantially is through changes in lifestyles. And the question you could ask is what changes in lifestyles? Well, we certainly have to use energy much more efficiently in everything that we do, but we must also look at our eating habits. We have become much too addicted to excessive consumption of meat and animal proteins, and we have to move away from that. Now, I know I'm talking to you in a location which produces a lot of livestock, Livestock and the means by which it is used for satisfying the demand of human society is clearly one major source of emissions. There are varying estimates. The FAO brought out a report where it said 
that about 18% of the total emissions of greenhouse gases come from the livestock cycle. But if you look at what they have done, clearly there are some elements that have been left out of that estimate. Other estimates indicate a much higher percentage of emissions from this source. However, what I'd like to submit is what I've been saying in various parts of the world. If you eat less meat, you would be healthier and so would the planet. According to several sources, it is also one means by which human health is impaired and affected seriously. So please keep this in mind. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the future of every living species. And unless we bring about a radical change, which I can assure you, as someone who turned to vegetarianism several years ago, you'll feel much better. And future generations will feel very good about you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Pachauri, for being a true leader throughout your shining example and wise advice. Your suggestions are much valued. We now have a message from Mrs. Eva Kiestorp, a dedicated political activist and prominent figure of the European environmental movement for almost four decades. Over the years, she has initiated many local and global campaigns and has been the co-founder, co-organizer of civic and political organizations such as the German Green Party, Women for Peace, the European Nuclear Disarmament, the Global Commission to Fund the UN, the Ecological Marshall Plan, and the Climate Action Network. Mrs. Keistorp is a successful author and co-author of more than 15 publications. Let's watch her message now. Guten Tag. I will give my greetings to all the participants of the conference in Veracruz. I hope you be a big force and a loud, non-violent, creative voice for Copenhagen to say, beside our changes in energy politics to go out of the nuclear energy, to reduce oil consumption, to make energy savings, to change the world in the direction of solar energy, we can change our life by relating to regional products, ecological farming, And by relating to our regional products, which are not brought in by airplanes or big ships, and enjoy ecological food, vegetarian ecological food is a gift of God, and it tastes wonderful, it's delicious, and if we do it in good communities, so if we share, it's not just not eating meat, it's creating and re-establishing a culture which is a spiritual culture that we are thankful to good water, that we are thankful to good fruits, that we are thankful to good vegetables and that we share it together with prayers, with music and getting quiet within ourselves and then the good fruits and the good vegetable can heal our souls and give us strength for life. We have to think about how we enter the global media, that there is not bad advertisement, especially for little children, so that they do not get addicted to me, that we have to teach the schools, the teachers and the parents, and maybe make counseling for schools that children and teachers learn how to cook good vegetarian food so that they can see to give up meat or to consume less meat can be enjoyable and good life. 
And then we should not leave the task only to governments. We as consumers, we as voters, we as citizens, we as spiritual and human beings can do a lot. The World Watch Institute said now part of the greenhouse gases is the eating of meat and the production of meat, which is using too much water too. And we have water problems, we have desertification problems, we have food and hunger problems in the world beside climate change. So to reduce the use of meat and even not to eat meat, but to be clear vegetarians and to lead a spiritual life with meditation and with the spirit of nonviolence can be very important in the fight against climate change and for a more peaceful world, which I hope, my dear Mr. Shanghai, will include women rights too and will give back dignity, especially to older women who try to save the earth. Our many thanks, Ms. Eva Kirstop, for your kind greetings and valuable remarks. We have our second guest speaker, the Honorable Mr. Alonso Dominguez Ferraez, General Coordinator of the Environment of the State of Veracruz. He will join us here in the lovely city of Orizaba at this momentous event to discuss the ecological problems that society and the whole world face today. He has worked tirelessly to generate new green projects centering around better management of waste materials and improved care of the vast natural areas, the air and the water sources that provide life and abundance to the various regions of this state. Please welcome Mr. Dominguez Ferraez with a warm round of applause. Buenas tardes y bienvenidos sean todos ustedes. Quiero saludar muy respetuosamente a la maestra Xin Hai y enviarle un sincero reconocimiento. Al mismo tiempo, agradecerle por compartir su importante mensaje con nosotros a través de esta importante tecnología que nos permite acercar dos regiones del planeta tan distantes y decirle, maestra Xinhai, que en este auditorio se encuentran importantes ciudadanos que traen consigo la representación de diversas instituciones públicas y privadas, académicas, de investigación, de medios de comunicación, de organizaciones no gubernamentales y de asociaciones civiles y sin fines de lucro, pero sobre todo se encuentran en este auditorio padres de familia, amas de casa, estudiantes, jóvenes y niños que desean y se preocupan por un medio ambiente más sano, por un entorno ecológico limpio, por una ciudad, una región, un país y un planeta ambientalmente saludable. Todos hemos escuchado acerca del cambio climático y no solo eso, sino que hemos empezado a experimentar sus estragos, como las inundaciones 
en las zonas costeras del estado hace unos años, o las lluvias extremas que provocan crecidas de los ríos como el de Balastrera, el mismo de hielo de los glaciares de nuestro querido pico de Orizaba y en un futuro, quién sabe cuántos fenómenos y tragedias más. Este es uno de los retos de mayor dimensión que ha tenido el ser humano, el haber pasado la cantidad de 350 partes por millón de dióxido de carbono en la atmósfera, aunado a la inmensa cantidad de metano y otros gases de efecto invernadero, es advertido como una amenaza para el actual estilo de vida de los seres humanos. Se trata de un gran reto porque implica el cambio de mentalidad hacia una en la cual se aprecie la satisfacción de necesidades no más allá de lo básicamente necesario. Tal vez el buscar esa máxima religiosa de buscar la felicidad por otros medios ajenos a lo material podría ser lo más indicado. Pero bueno, volviendo al problema terrenal, este cambio de mentalidad no consumista que tanto se ha hecho popular te haría con la disminución de consumo de materiales y energía, un aumento no solo en la calidad ambiental, sino en las posibilidades de supervivencia de la raza humana. Desafortunadamente, la visión simplista de algunos economistas que imponen las reglas del desarrollo mundial, ha vinculado la disminución del consumo de materia y energía con la disminución del Producto Interno Bruto y en consecuencia con la disminución del progreso y bienestar de los seres humanos. Sin embargo, una visión ecologista o ambientalista de la economía permite echar por los suelos esa pseudoteoría de la economía tradicional que el reducir los consumos materiales y energéticos implica la disminución del bienestar. En primer lugar, no necesariamente el bienestar de los seres humanos está relacionado con una medida económica como puede ser el Producto Interno Bruto. Y en segundo lugar, hablar de una disminución del consumo material y energético implica en términos físicos y ecológicos un aumento de la eficiencia del sistema. Pero no solo el reto es disminuir el consumo material y energético, sino también cambiar la fuente energética con la cual está basada la producción económica, mudando de las fuentes basadas en los combustibles fósiles a las energías renovables o basadas en la energía solar. Este reto implica un cambio tecnológico equiparable al descubrimiento del fuego en la historia de la humanidad. Mucha gente ha encontrado objeciones a este cambio tecnológico, tanto de índole técnico como económico. Y es esta misma gente y todos nosotros quienes debemos erigirnos en líderes ambientalmente responsables del hoy para el bienestar de los habitantes de mañana. Esos son los retos que nos apremian para combatir el cambio climático. ¿Cómo podemos ver algunos son estratégicos y solo desde trincheras relevantes pueden impulsarse. Sin embargo, 
Algunos otros deben acometerse desde las trincheras personales y locales, como es ese cambio de mentalidad consumista y derrochadora de energía, alimentos y materiales. Invito a todos ustedes a que empecemos a actuar, cambiemos hábitos de consumo, de alimentación, de compras, de estilo de vida, por uno que nos lleve a ganar nuestra batalla contra el cambio climático. Finalmente, quiero destacar que esta ciudad, Orizaba, es una tierra bendecida con sus características que la hacen única como sus dos bosques, el de niebla y el de alta montaña, rodeado de hermosos cerros verdes, con sus grandes cantidades de agua, con su clima envidiable, pero sobre todo con su gente como la que hoy se encuentra aquí. Gente comprometida con su bienestar que desde cada uno de sus espacios puede y se esfuerza por mandar el mensaje de respeto a nuestro entorno. Gente que está consciente y sabe que hoy más que nunca tenemos que proponer y actuar. Hacerle caso a nuestros niños y cuidar sus bosques, sus cuencas, sus ríos, sus lagunas, sus selvas, sus montañas, sus mares y todos y cada uno de los diferentes ecosistemas que componen este maravilloso planeta en el que se da el milagro de la vida. Y así, el día de mañana, si lo hacemos bien, la naturaleza y la madre tierra nos lo premie con más vida, con más biodiversidad, sino que nuestros hijos y los hijos de ellos nos lo reclamen. Verifica tu auto, separa tu basura, cuida el agua, ahorra energía, no desperdicies, reforesta. Muchas gracias. Our sincere thanks, the Honorable Mr. Alonso Dominguez Ferraez. We appreciate your deep concern with the urgent issue of the global warming situation. Our next video message is from the Honorable Andrew Bartlett, one of the most sincere politicians in Australia. A former senator, Mr. Bartlett recently announced his return to the Australian political scene as the Green candidate for the federal seat of Brisbane a move applauded by many citizens. Mr. Bartlett is a vegan and an animal rights activist. Let's watch his message now. Hello, my name's Andrew Bartlett. I'd like to welcome you to the Climate Change International Conference, the theme of SOS, quick actions to stop global warming. We've gathered in Mexico to examine issues of climate change and to explore what ways we can all make a difference. There's a wide range of changes that need to happen. All of us will need to change our lifestyles, particularly those of us from wealthier countries. One of the quickest things we can do, removing meat and dairy products from our diet or even eating less of those products, makes an immediate benefit to the environment and particularly in regards to greenhouse emissions. 
but changing our diets doesn't cost anything, doesn't need any new technology and will not cause any problems in regards to overall loss of jobs. Uh, it's a quick, easy and very effective way to reduce the dangers of climate change as quickly as possible because methane from livestock is a highly potent greenhouse gas but it's also one that dissipates much more quickly than carbon dioxide. The less meat, the less dairy product you consume and others consume, those things do make a difference and each time an extra person adds that message to the wider global community then the more people will realise how important it is and the more people will realise that they too can make a very immediate difference reducing the dangers of climate change, reducing unnecessary animal suffering, reducing the impacts on the environment. During my time in Parliament and in politics more broadly, one of the crucial lessons I learnt is that every individual person can make a difference. Encourage others to speak out. There's letters to the editor, comments on websites, ringing into radio shows, raising the issue in your community, down at your clubs, everywhere where people gather. It's an issue that concerns everybody. It's an issue that is urgent and we all can have a role to play. We all can make a difference and we need to be doing it now. I'd like to wish you well for your gathering. Be veg, go green to save our planet. Our many thanks, Mr. Andrew Barlett, for your words of hope and encouragement. And we especially appreciate that remind us that we can all make a change through our daily actions. Our second speaker is Mr. Edgar Espinosa Cisneros, an environmental geographer. He also specializes in bioethics, particularly in the moral aspects of the relationship between humanity and the animals. Please welcome Mr. Espinosa Cisneros. Buenas tardes. Gracias por estar aquí. Good afternoon. Um, it's, it's truly an honor to, to be here this afternoon, and I appreciate the wonderful opportunity to talk at this conference. And what's inside again to, to reflect on the great injustice and cruelty when we choose to animals? Some of the first questions I asked myself were what would be necessary to change current human attitudes and perceptions towards non human actions but for a better world for both? What would be one of the most important actions that we can take to achieve this? And also, how can we go about changing such unethical attitudes from the youth? Since then, I've been on a philosophical journey trying to come up with an answer how we can change in a positive direction. To introduce my statement, I was first talk briefly about the vision of an illustrious person and on whom this ideal is based. It is one of the many who have fought for animal rights and whom I deeply admire. George Angle was the founder of the Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, was a prominent figure in animal rights and the anti-cruelty movement in North America back in the 19th century. Reveling against the paradigms of that time that little considered animal welfare, he fought against cruelty and in favor of animal rights of protection, kindness, and care. As part of his vision, Angle advocated the need for humane education. 
teaching people the principles of kindness, compassion, and respect for our life. We created a nationwide network of humane education clubs, especially destined for the young. However, Angle incorporated and presided over the American Humane Education Society, an organization designed to offer instruction to all age groups. For this and other reasons, Angle was a visionary and shared his belief. I envision a world of humane education where compassion is instructed since birth and is placed at the core of our character. It is important to start at the basis of our educational system, at the root, inculcating compassion formally at all educational levels, but particularly in students in primary and secondary education, an age in which it is easier to reach the minds and hearts of people and where compassion can permeate more easily. This may include active socialization with animals since early childhood, including vegetarian diets in school cafeterias and adopting an educational approach that values animals for what they truly are, loving sentient beings that deserve our respect and consideration. This is important for various reasons. First of all, given that there are a range of different family scenarios in which children develop, this will guarantee that children will be instructed in compassion and humane values through formal educational institutions, notwithstanding family conditions. Secondly, from my personal experience, I've seen that targeting younger audiences is much easier because they're shaping their personal perceptions of society and the world itself and thus can be more sensitive. It is no secret that the cultivation of compassion in current and future generations inexorably leads to a more integrated, caring, and peaceful society and citizens. Consequently, in my personal opinion, this subject should receive as much priority as other subjects such as science, math, or social studies. Also, as a result of instructing compassion, we would also promote better health in our children by feeding them a vegetarian diet. We must not forget that compassion is at the root of vegetarianism. Personally, it was compassion for animals and for our planet, which made me and my family adopt a vegetarian diet. Aside from all the more short-term, but very important measures that we can implement to help change the current unjust attitude toward animals, working from the basis of education is truly paramount. So, as mentioned before, this entails making a change at the root by injecting compassion and humane values into the moral dimensions of new generations that will lead the world in the near future. Caring not only for their kind, but also for other creatures and the environment in general. In sum, it is necessary to advocate for including compassion and humane education into academic systems since the early stages of life, supported by national governments and communities alike and for the medium to long-term benefit. However, the marvelous results are well worth the effort. Lastly, we should remember that human beings will not live in peace until they treat all beings that accompany us on this world with compassion and respect, regardless of differences. If humans are to evolve, and if evolving implies a positive connotation, then surely the path to follow in order to evolve is respect and reverence for all forms of life. Only then will we truly feel peace and satisfaction. So let's start instructing our children the entire scope of love, which includes not only our kind, but also animals, plants, and the environment in general, and start collaborating with national governments and ministries to include compassionate and humane education in our schools. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Espinosa Cisneros, for your very relevant observations. 
Our next video message is for a famed Peruvian musician, animal activist, and artist, Mr. Pedro Alemant. Mr. Alemant has found the ideal way to combine his love for the animals, music, and art through his project Futuro Vega Pop to help raise awareness about the plight of animals in factory farms and other abusive situations. Let's watch his message now.
Hola, eh, mi nombre es Pedro Alemán, soy de Futuro de Gapop. Es un proyecto de arte que promueve el respeto a los animales a través de la música. Eh, los animales en la sociedad son considerados esclavos. Los utilizamos para comerlos, para vestirnos con la piel de ellos, como entretenimiento, para experimentar con ellos. Y no nos damos cuenta que son individuos que tienen la capacidad de sentir. Tienen una capacidad de sentir como tú y como yo. Por tanto, merecen respeto y justicia. Nosotros podemos detener esto siendo vegano, llevando un estilo de vida 100% vegetariano. Quiero agradecer a SOS eh, Conferencia Cambio Climático por la invitación y porque también existe un gran problema en este planeta que es la amenaza que está pasando ahora por el cambio climático. La industria de la carne es la que ocasiona que este problema vaya, se vaya agravando. ¿no? Por tanto, está en manos de cada uno de nosotros poder detener esto. Si de verdad te importan los demás animales, hazte vegano. Gracias. Thank you very much, Muchas Mr. Gracias, Aleman, for that Aleman, beautiful message. Our next guest speaker is a marine biologist, Ms. Annette Bodia, who has a big heart for all animals. She's founder of the Humane Society Perros in Puerto and Puerto Escondido, Oaxaca, the first organization of his kind in the state. Let's please welcome Ms. Bodier. Good evening. I'm very honored to be here tonight with you and to be able to share um, some of my experiences I had since I started helping the street dogs. Okay, the street dogs in Mexico. A friend of mine asked me once, um, Annette, why, why dogs, why Mexico? And the more I thought about his question, the more I realized it wasn't actually a conscious decision of mine. It was more like a matter of circumstances that led me to undertake this project to help dogs. I actually was on the way to South America, and I came to Mexico in late 2005 after I left India, where I had been working Um, as a teacher, trying to implement new teaching strategies on environmental education to secondary schools. Um, I really enjoyed that work. However, after my dog, Jaya, was poisoned, I left India very heartbroken because I just thought it was time to move on and I just needed to start a new project somewhere else. Within months of arriving in Mexico, I was adopted by a street dog. And um, she was... Um, a little puppy I found on the street. And um, although I wasn't ready to have that um, dog at the time because I knew I had to travel a long way to get to Ecuador still, um, I couldn't give her away And after I looked after her for two months already. So I decided to keep her, and I traveled with her down to um, Puerto Escondido. Um, while living there, I, I found a place that really suited me well and where I could do a lot of good work. And um, I founded the Association Perros in Puerto with the idea in mind to help the street dogs and um, to better the community and make the lives for the animals more pleasant there. Since the formation of the Humane Society in August last year, we have rescued and helped many animals, not just dogs, but also cats. And um, our main purposes are really the aspect of rescuing animals and um, looking after them 
trying to control the overpopulation of animals, especially dogs through sterilization campaigns, and um, trying to educate the community with regard to animal care. I'm, I'm sure you all know the saying that dogs are men's best friends. To me personally, however, um, the, this relationship has become a lot more meaningful. It has become a relationship of unconditional love, loyalty, and caring between two species that are able to understand each other and respect each other. Tonight I would like to share a story with you, a story about a young puppy, um, which really touched my life in a very special way, and her name was Pancha. I met her while I was driving home one Sunday in October last year, and I saw this tiny little skinny puppy dragging her sad body along the street, and I immediately stopped and got out and picked her up, and as I um, picked her up, I realized she had two injured legs and she couldn't walk anymore, so I took her to the vet the next day, and he diagnosed her with a fractured spine and trapped nerves and basically said she was able to regain her ability to walk again, but it would be a long way to recovery. However, six months later, she managed to actually start walking again, and um, through, after intense medication, a long, long time of confinement, and um, a therapy that was... Most importantly, love and affection. Pancha was what I would call a very determined and happy spirit, even throughout the difficult months of her recovery. She had trained me well to respond to all kinds of barking, like when she wanted to have food, when she wanted to um, be carried back from the garden into the house, while she could, still couldn't walk. Once she was able to walk, she would come out with us every morning on our daily beach walk, and um, she was always the first one out the door, squealing like a little pig, being so happy, and um, just, just being happy that she could walk again. Um, she became my right-hand help um, after I opened a shelter for orphaned and abandoned street puppies. Um, she was eager to adopt them all. She developed a maternal instinct that was incredible, and, um, yeah, she was just the best puppy sitter I've ever had, really. Sadly, Pancha died. Um, she died in a tragic accident in August this year, and we still all miss her. Um, her loving and happy spirit, especially the puppies, miss her, because they all lost their mama. Although Pancha is no longer with us in body, in the short time we were privileged to have her in our lives, she taught us much about love and compassion, Attributes that not only we humans share, but also animals can share among each other. They have the same feelings as we are. They can hurt. If you hurt them, they, they, they feel pain. They, they feel happiness. They suffer neglect and abuse. So what I would like to say is that although um, we care for the animals on the street, we also want to help the humans and animals to live together peacefully and respectfully. We need to give to the animals, um, not only our companion animals, a chance to live a full and dignified life. Maybe if we can become more sensitive towards animal needs, um, we will be able to make a change. And it, which leaves me with only one question for you to ponder on tonight is, um, what can you do as an individual to make a difference in an animal's quality of life? Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Baudier. We know that the animals make so much difference in our life, and they love us unconditionally. And thank you for reminding us that we have to love them, too.
distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, we are very grateful and privileged to welcome our special guest of honor, Supreme Master Ching Hai, a world-renowned spiritual teacher, best-selling author, highly lauded artist, and dedicated humanitarian, Supreme Master Ching Hai has been fully devoting her time, energy, and resources to protecting our world from global warming. She is one of the most caring and leading voices globally in the race to save our planet. Supreme Master Ching Hai has been requested by many concerned medias to share her knowledge and insight. She has lent her support in humanity's efforts to curb global warming by gracing various climate change conferences around the world. Please join us now to watch a special documentary entitled For Our Beloved Planet, a brief biography about Supreme Master Ching Hai. Let us watch it now. Supreme Master Ching Hai is a world-renowned spiritual teacher, artist, and humanitarian whose loving assistance extends across cultures. Born in central Olak or Vietnam, Supreme Master Ching Hai studied in Europe and worked there for the Red Cross. She soon realized that suffering exists in all corners of the globe, and her yearning to find a remedy became the foremost goal in her life. She then embarked on a journey in search of spiritual enlightenment, Eventually, in the Himalayas and in India, she received from a true master the divine transmission of the inner light and sound, which she later called the Kuan Yin Method. After a period of diligent practice, she attained the Great Enlightenment. Soon after her return from the Himalayas, at the earnest request of those around her, Supreme Master Ching Kai shared the Kuan Yin Method with others, encouraging them to look within to find their own divine greatness. Before long, invitations arrived from the Americas, Europe, Asia, Australia and Africa for Supreme Master Ching Hai to give lectures. Supreme Master Ching Hai's compassionate heart has also been reflected in her meticulous care for the less fortunate in different circumstances. The funding generated from her artistic creations has enabled the support of her mission of comforting God's children in times of need. More recently, Supreme Master Ching Hai has authored books that have become number one international bestsellers, namely The Birds in My Life, The Dogs in My Life, and The Noble Wilds. These volumes, now translated in several languages, reveal many insights into the deep emotions and thoughts of our treasured animal co-inhabitants, highlighting their gracious spirit and unconditional love. Wishing to acknowledge others for their actions and influence toward developments of goodness in the world, Supreme Master Ching Hai founded the Shining World Leadership Award in March 2006. Since then, she has also established other awards, 
such as Shining World Compassion Award, Shining World Hero and Heroine Award, Shining World Honesty Award, Shining World Protection Award, Shining World Intelligence Award, and Shining World Inventor Award. This honor is presented to individuals, nations, and organizations, such as the second president of the Republic of Slovenia, Dr. Yanis Jonovcev, renowned British primatologist, Dr. Jane Goodall, and U.S.-based nonprofit Save the Children, whose exemplary works have significantly contributed to the harmony, beauty, and sustainability of our Earth. Supreme Master Ching Hai has given much to our world, both spiritually and materially. Although she does not seek acknowledgement, in recognition of her selfless contribution, government representatives and private organizations worldwide have presented Supreme Master Ching Kai with prestigious awards on numerous occasions. Among these were the Goosey Peace Prize 2006, first place silver for the 27th Annual Telly Awards 2006, Los Angeles Music Week Certificate of Commendation 2002, the World Spiritual Leadership Award 1994, and the World Citizen Humanitarian Award 1994. In addition, February 22nd and October 25th have been proclaimed by government officials in the United States as the Supreme Master Ching Kai Day. Her dedicated aid to the world continues till this day, with millions of grateful hearts among leaders and their co-citizens alike. pioneers in our society today who wisely and courageously express concern about climate change. In fact, for more than 20 years, she has strongly advocated preserving the environment. She initiated the Alternative Living and SOS Global Warming campaigns to promote a benevolent lifestyle without animal products. Be Veg, Go Green, Save the Planet is now a well-known motto that originated from Supreme Master Ching Hai. In our era, Supreme Master Ching Hai is truly a selflessly dedicated individual, tirelessly helping world citizens create a bright future for our beloved planet. Just recently, on October 29th, 2009, Supreme Master Ching Hai was the honored guest speaker at the Association of Mexican Magistrates Pro-Environmental Justice in Mexico City. Her video message clearly discussed the causes of global warming, how it is impacting Mexico in particular, and the one effective solution, the organic vegan diet. Today is the fourth time the Mexican government has invited Supreme Master Ching Hai to address the urgent issue of global warming via video conference. Esteemed guests, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a warm round of applause for the most generous Supreme Master Ching Hai. Hello, Supreme Master Ching Hai. Hello. Welcome to Mexico. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Hello, Supreme Master Ching Hai. You look great in purple. Oh, <laughs> this, uh, uh, how you call it, a vegan fur, huh? A vegan fur. It's really beautiful. Oh, I want to match your suit. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so vegan is no, not animal fur, eh? And it still looks beautiful, right? You like it? Yes, it's completely uh? beautiful. Everybody likes it, yeah? Yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's perfect for the weather here. Oh, <laughs> is it cold there? Um, it gets yeah. a little chilly little in the evening, here. yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Also, it's winter, you know, everywhere is cold. And it's better than heating the planet, no? <laughs> yes. But... Uh, I hope you are warm. The audience are warm, yes? Yes, we are, Master. Thank you very much. Thank you once again for your kind acceptance uh, to share your extremely precious time with us. Oh, I'm glad to be able to. I'm glad. I'm very glad. I love the Mexicans. I love your country. Yes. We love you. Supreme Master Ching Hai, earlier in the program, our distinguished speakers have presented their expertise and their perspectives on the current global crisis. Yes. yes. And our experts, they've talked about many sectors of their expertise, such as um, those of um, society, uh, political, educational, environmental, and social, and their knowledge has been very instructive and very important to us. Yes. So, Master... Uh, would be so grateful if you could now share with us your thoughts and views about the global warming situation. Ah, yes, I'd be very honored to contribute some of my humble uh, knowledge about our very precious planet. I have been listening as well. <laughs> I've been listening to you two, <laughs> MCs, and all the VIPs, and all the expertise, videotapes, and their concern about the planet, and their knowledge, and their advice to us what to do. I'm also very grateful, like you are, for their very generous advice and sharing their time with us. I will also do my part, and... Uh, I hope together we can find a common ground again to save our precious home, eh? <laughs> uh, I'm trying some uh, Spanish. I hope you can understand. Like, hola y buenas tardes a todos. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Buenas tardes. Ah, good. Yes. <laughs> I can see our very distinguished guests and the government officials of Mexico. I'm very, very uh, honored to be able to be with you. Very precious people. Every time I was in Mexico, 
I never forget the emotion of the people there. They treated me like they know me for hundreds of years, like I have been their family members. I have never forgotten, and I almost, almost could not leave Mexico. I almost wanted to stay there forever. What a beautiful people! What a beautiful race of people! And I really wish that we can continue to keep this race of people and their very gracious tradition exactly on where they are, and that we can push away the dark cloud. Of climate change that is threatening all of us. Uh, respected state persons, gracious speakers, and audience members, I am truly glad to see you, and I want to convey my thankfulness for all the hospitality that you have reserved for me personally whenever I was in Mexico. It is a great honor for me to be invited once again to participate in this important event in the blessed state of Veracruz, Mexico. And I'm truly touched to be in the presence of the genuine, hospitable, intelligent, dedicated. But humble Mexican people, so humble but so great. Through our previous meeting together, I have come to know that the Mexican government and people are most sincere and concerned about our planet, and only want the best for their country and. The present and future generations, but of course, whatever affects Mexico will affect also the world.、Right? So I am glad that the government of Mexico is taking serious steps and、uh, making projects to try to halt global warming. That will help the whole planet. And I also feel a deep, deep appreciation for the beauty of Mexico, her spiritual legacy, and deep-rooted traditions that shine through the history so much to treasure and preserve. Ah,、uh, however, it also pains me to think that everything wonderful about your country and about Our world is in grave danger of disappearing due to global warming. Mexico is enduring prolonged drought and making things worse: the pandemic. And countless countries share these and other challenges, while less predictable perils push humankind even more to the edge. But、uh, luckily, there is still time, as all the experts have told us before me that you have heard, that we still can save it all. We can save your country, your people, your children, your animal, and your planet.
we can still keep our hope because we have the solution. It's in our home. It's in our hands. It's in our heart. The solution is right here. Begins with us. I offer hereby my humble respect and heartfelt wishes that you find this conference meaningful and helpful to you. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Bona suerte a todos. Thank you, Supreme Master Ching Hai, for your respect and love for all people, and particularly for the Mexican people. And thank you for sharing your compassionate understanding. Surely, you can lead us into a new era of sustainability and love between all things, between all people, between all planets and animals. Supreme Master Ching Hai, um, some of our speakers and guests has prepared some questions. And would very much like to take this opportunity to receive your wise and loving insight. I will share with you what I can and what I know. <laughs> Please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. First, the Honorable Mr. Alonso Dominguez Ferraz, General Coordinator of the Environment for the State of Veracruz, has two questions he would like to ask you. Hello, Master Xinhai. It's a pleasure for me to meet us again by this technology. Pregunta uno. Usted propone el vegetarianismo como una solución para abatir la cría del ganado y por ende la generación del gas metano. En ese sentido, ¿cómo podemos los padres de familia implementar en nuestros hijos los cambios en los hábitos de alimentación. La segunda pregunta, México es un país de vocación petrolera. ¿Cómo poder cambiar el esquema de la utilización de energías a través de los hidrocarburos por otro tipo de energías que nos lleven a un cambio en los hábitos de consumo, ya que creemos que es difícil porque nuestra economía depende del petróleo? Gracias por sus respuestas. Yeah. Hola, Señor Ferraz. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me again and for coordinating this beautiful event. ¿Cómo está, Señor? Bien, bien. ¿Y usted? También. También, sí. Se ve bien. Thank you. Thank you for your caring question. The first uh, question is how do we, as parents, influence our children? Yes? Uh, Senor Ferraez, by example, Senor, by example. Uh, influencing our children, especially towards something that will help the world, is much easier than influencing many adults. <laughs> we adults are more difficult to change into something new or to accept some new concept. But the children, they are still young, flexible, and very open to new ideas, and they are uh, purer at heart. So we hear about children uh, who remember being in heaven before they came to this life, 
or even ones who remember their previous life. It's, it's on the newspapers and in the media, they report about these things. They are thus not attached to the things of this world as much as we, the adult people, do. In fact, children normally do not even care for the taste of meat. They just learn to eat it from their parents first, just like we learn to eat it from our parents. Even in school, studies have found that when given a choice, the young students preferred fresh fruits and vegetables by themselves. Nobody even influenced them. So from a young age, children naturally gravitate toward compassion and health. All you need to do, Signor Ferraris, I'm sure you ask this not for yourself, or not just for yourself, but for all the parents in the world. And so all we have to do is be a good example. Yes. Remember, parents are the first ever teachers of their children. So uh, we become vegan and show them and explain to the children, uh, then we can show them the way. We, we will explain to them why we are vegan. And when they are very young, they will try to eat whatever you serve them in any way. And when they are older, we can explain that this way of life, first of all, is helping the planet, saving lives, and it is also helping themselves. So vegans are healthier, happier, more intelligent, and live longer. Another thing we can do for our children and any of their friends who want to join in is to go visit, like a farm sanctuary. Uh, this is the place where the animals live safely and uh, well taken care of without fear of being uh, killed. There the children can come close to the animals and even touch them, communicate with them. We have heard children say once they make friends with the cow or the sensitive pig that they cannot eat them anymore. As parents, we should do everything possible to help our children make the connection between these loving, beautiful, noble living beings and the piece of dead, rotten flesh that people eat. We should also explain about the suffering of the animals, which is so immense that we cannot even imagine. It's too much, too much for us to watch if we know about it. We can share uh, another part of the animal's truth, which is that the tender young babies are taken away from their mothers and killed in a horrible way. And let the children know that the mothers then have to endure the pain of being hooked up forcibly every day to machines for milking, milk that should have gone to their babies. And then they are killed. All of this is a sad but true story. There, of course, are many more gruesome, utterly cruel and inhumane acts involved in animal industry. We as parents can also help young children a veg lifestyle by going to school and explaining to the teacher and the food service staff that your child is a vegan. You can even offer to help with cooking classes so that they more fully understand. There are many uh, studies now that show the benefit of a healthy school lunch 
and snacks program. Children are even known to concentrate better when they are eating more fresh fruits and vegetables. The Americans uh, first lady now always introduce fresh fruits and vegetables to the children of America. And uh, if we help the school to understand these benefits, they may also adopt them more widely themselves. I know it feels like hard work, but we just have to do somehow if we want to save our home. But nowadays, many schools and parents even plant vegetables in the school or in the home gardens with the children. And the children love these activities as well as they are eating more vegetables, which they grew themselves. So finally, we can also tell our children that by being vegan, they are directly helping to heal and save our planet and helping uh, the parents, helping themselves and all that lives in this world. Children are very loving at heart. So if they know that by being vegan, they can save many lives, they would be very, very willing to do it. We want to be able to live a world for the children, a world of green and lush beauty, a world of humans and animals peacefully coexisting together. They would love to help to make this happen. Thank you, Senor Ferraris. Thank you for being so good. Thank you. The second question. You asked such intelligent and really practical question. I understand your concern about making the switch toward other forms of energy and away from oil. Senor Ferraris, it may relieve you to hear that we don't have to do this right away because the oil industry is not the biggest of our planetary problems. Scientists have pointed out most recently that global warming does not arise primarily from oil-based technologies, not cars, not planes, not trains, not ships, not even coal power plants. But the livestock that you mentioned in the first part of your question, that is the number one source of global warming worldwide. And methane is the primary greenhouse gas generated by livestock. One study in Mexico found that livestock was responsible for 97% of the country's agricultural methane. So I repeat, the number one source of global warming is from our consumption, killing of all the cows, pigs, chickens, sheep, eggs, dairy. This, along with the killing of billions of beautiful fish for food, is what causes the most climate-related trouble for our planet. Researcher in the U.S. came up with a simple comparison. According to calculations they performed, they concluded that eating a vegan diet for a year is more effective 
at cooling the planet than driving a hybrid vehicle for the same period of time. So we can see that putting down the meat is more important than foregoing gas-powered car. Another good news about this simple dietary solution is that methane as a greenhouse gas also dissipates quickly from the atmosphere. In fact, methane is now estimated to be 100 times more heat-trapping than carbon dioxide, but this gas also disappears out of the atmosphere in around 12 years or less, while CO2 can remain for thousands of years. So eliminating livestock production as this major source of methane is thus one of the fastest ways to cool our planet. This doesn't mean we forget about the problem of the oil industry. It's just a slight shift of focus to address the most urgent situation first. Once we have done that, then we can continue to develop green alternatives to things like oil. But first, to get a sense of the lethal impact that livestock raising has on our world, let's take a look at a few of the details. Some of the global warming effects that we hear about are a continued rise in the Earth's atmospheric temperature, warming of the ocean, along with acidification, more frequent and stronger storms, prolonged droughts and intensified heat waves, soil desertification, plant and animal extinctions, and even melting of permafrost, which could trigger massive releases of more methane gas. And that would be catastrophic beyond an unthinkable scale. Mexico and your neighboring nations have already suffered from some of these effects. Besides the drought that has stricken parts of Mexico for over a decade now, other countries like Guatemala have been facing extreme shortages with over 550 fatalities and more than 400,000 families who have been in need of food and water assistance. In Ecuador... Officials have started rotating electricity outages due to low water levels in the nation's hydroelectric dams. Venezuela is also beginning to ration out water as she suffers from the worst drought since 1947, with June and October 2009 being the driest months in over 100 years. How is livestock production connected to these damaging effects, you will ask? There are so many ways that I'm sure I don't have enough time to tell all of them. But we can list the activities that are associated with meat production that are causing some of the biggest problems for us. 
These include deforestation, soil erosion and desertification, excessive use of precious resources, land and water waste and pollution, and animal, plant and human disease or disappearance. Now to highlight, let's zoom in on two of these problems and how they are affecting your country and the countries in the region. Now, one, deforestation. In uh, Brazil, 90% of the land deforested since 1970 has gone toward livestock pasture or feed. And in the southern part of Mexico, tropical forests that once covered almost half of the state of Tabasco have been reduced to less than 10% their original size. At the same time, Senor Ferraz, pasture land for livestock has increased to 60% of the state's total area. I repeat, pasture land for livestock has increased to 60% of the total of your state area, uh, with scientists reporting similar conditions in other parts of the nation. In countries like Brazil, Argentina, and now Paraguay, more and more forests are felled for both livestock and soy crops. Argentina has lost 70% of her original forest. Imagine, 70% of Argentina forest has disappeared due to livestock. Now, in Paraguay, the widespread planting of genetically modified soy for livestock feed has caused so much devastation to both the people and the environment that several international groups are making a documentary to try to raise the awareness for change. Some of the benefits of a vegetarian diet lowers blood pressure, lowers cholesterol levels, reduces type 2 diabetes, prevents stroke conditions, reverses atherosclerosis, reduces heart disease risk 50%, reduces heart surgery risk 80%, prevents many forms of cancer, stronger immune system, increases life expectancy up to 15 years, higher IQ, saves 70% of the total cost of 40 trillion US dollars for reducing global warming, uses 4.5 times less land to grow food, conserves up to 70% clean water, saves 80% of the cleared Amazonian rainforest from animal grazing, a solution for world hunger, Free up 3.4 billion hectares of land. Free up 760 million tons of grain every year. Half the world's grain supply. Consumes one-third fossil fuels of those used for meat production. Reduces pollution from untreated animal waste. Maintains cleaner air. Saves 4.5 tons of emissions per U.S. household per year. Stop 80% of global warming plus more.
Now, number two, soil erosion and desertification. The clearing of land for livestock has created instability and serious soil degradation across the country of Mexico. In the northern regions of Mexico, nearly two-thirds of the land is classified as being in a total or accelerated state of erosion. In these regions, which are highly vulnerable to desertification, researchers have found that the soil condition is made worse by livestock grazing. So, when the livestock eats all the vegetation and tramples the land, what is left behind is cement-like ground, unable to grow anything. This worsens global warming because more carbon is released from the dying plants and bare soil. The soil then becomes hotter and overloads the atmosphere with even more heat-trapping carbon. And this is on top of the methane generated by the livestock itself. So actually, livestock industry generate more methane than what we can even calculate because of the related uh, effect. Such extensive damage makes it difficult to revive and continue livestock raising, in this case, obviously leaves little hope for recovery. In a magazine interview over a decade ago, the president of the National Cattlemen's Confederation of Mexico spoke of your nation's prolonged drought and its adverse effect on the cattle industry. Already then, there were such distinct signs of global warming effects. But what he did not realize then is that the cattle industry is causing the drought. So, it's easy to see that if we stopped this raising of animals for meat, the weather patterns would be quickly restored along with the land. In the interview, the president of the Cattlemen's Confederation also mentioned the need for more government subsidies for cattle raising. But what we actually need are subsidies for life-giving practices, not the ones that take the life away from the animals, take away life from us, and take away life from our future generations, and take the life from our one and only planet. The government could easily subsidize organic farming instead, which would provide abundant benefit for all the people of Mexico and even would remove 40% of the atmospheric carbon if all tillable land on earth were organically farmed. So the solution is very simple, sir. We just have to turn away from the animal products. We stop eating meat dairy, eggs, fish. If everyone does this, we will have a transformed world in no time. It really is that easy. Just one bite at a time. Removing methane from the atmosphere will remove the majority of the global warming effect. And then we can have time to find greener power for our world 
rather than oil after we save the planet. Also, the vegan diet will bring more clarity and creativity for everyone. So we will be able to develop all the necessary resources in time. It's just that we need to make the switch to the animal-free lifestyle now. Then everything will improve. Life will be easier and we can rest knowing that our children will have a future to look forward to. Thank you for your very heartfelt concern, Mr. Ferraris. For yourself and your children, please ask everyone be veg, go green to save the planet. God bless you. Thank you. Many, many thanks, Supermaster Ching Hai, for your most loving answer. Thank you, Honorable Mr. Alonso Dominguez Ferraz, for these important questions. We appreciate you being here. Some of the diseases related to meat consumption and or production. Rabies, anthrax, sleeping sickness, Q fever, norovirus, swine flu, Ebola reston virus. Cured meats and fish increase leukemia risk in children. Antibiotic resistant superbug infections from a strain of Staphylococcus aureus. Blue tongue disease, E. coli, Salmonella, bird flu, mad cow disease or Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, 90% of the population at risk, pig's disease or PMWS, listeriosis, shellfish poisoning, preeclampsia, Campylobacter, Clostridium difficile, diseases hidden in healthy appearing livestock, some of the costs of meat eating. Infertility, eating just one serving of meat per day, increases the risk of women's infertility by 32%, with additional meat consumption increasing the risk. Heart disease, over 17 million lives lost globally each year. Cost of cardiovascular disease is at least 1 trillion US dollars a year. Cancer. Increased childhood cancers and adult reproductive cancers from hormones in meat. Colon rectal cancer. Over 1 million new colon cancer patients diagnosed each year. More than 600,000 colon cancer-related mortalities annually. In the United States alone, colon cancer treatment costs about 6.5 billion US dollars. Millions of people are newly diagnosed with other meat-related cancers every year. Diabetes. 246 million people are affected worldwide. An estimated 174 billion US dollars spent each year on treatment in just the United States. Obesity. Worldwide, 1.6 billion adults are overweight, with 400 million more who are obese. Costs 93 billion US dollars each year for medical expenses in the United States alone. At least 2.6 million people die annually from problems related to being overweight or obese. Environmental uses up to 70% of clean water, pollutes most of the water bodies, deforests the lungs of the earth, uses up to 43% of the world's cereal, uses up to 85% of the world's soy, causes world hunger and wars, 80% cause of global warming, plus more. 
some of the costs of milk consumption. Cowpox from milking cows. Bacterial microbes, pesticides and enzymes found in cheese derived from the inner stomach linings of other animals. Up to 80% of the calories in cheese are from pure fat. Breast, prostate and testicular cancer from hormones present in milk. Hysteria and Crohn's disease. Hormones and saturated fat leads to osteoporosis, obesity, diabetes and heart disease. Linked to higher incidences of multiple sclerosis. Classified as a major allergen. Lactose intolerance. Plus more. For more urgent information, please visit www.suprememastertv.com forward slash killers. Our next question is from Ms. Griselda Espinosa, a vegan and the cultural coordinator at the Institute of Higher Studies. Gracias. ¿Qué programas específicos o acciones rápidas los gobiernos pueden tomar para ayudar a sus países a cambiar a un estilo de vida vegano y orgánico? ¿Y cómo podemos hacer para que las personas hagan una transición más rápida y sin problemas? Hola, Ms. Espinosa. Hola, Master. Your question has a sense of eagerness. I understand, and I also wish that change will happen more quickly, like yesterday already. I'm sure you want the same. Everybody wants the same. But the government have the power to make this urgent transition to the organic vegan diet. First, they should ban all animal products, informing people about the facts of animal products, explaining that because it's poisoning their co-citizens and piling up far more cost than any gains economically and environmentally, and because it's eating up our planet. And if the planet goes, we all go. The power of the government also goes. So whatever economic value is seen in the livestock industry will mean nothing. And it has been an illusion anyway, because it costs our planet too much, too much. It costs us too much. We have to save the planet first and immediately, ban all the animal products and exploitations. Next, the governments can help the agriculture sector transition to being an organic vegan sector to sustain the human population with products they can consume directly instead of give it to the animal. Organic vegan farming is a good solution to the food crisis. The cost of subsidizing organic vegetable farming is very small compared to the subsidies needed to keep the animal farms afloat, meaning just to keep them from losing money and going bankrupt. The Mexican government also imports meat a lot. In 2008, 2.1 billion U.S. dollar worth of beef, pork, and lamb from the United States were bought by your government. Instead of draining so much money to unsustainable, unhealthy products, the government could invest in producing good wholesome crops for the people of Mexico and the world. So, 
We should support the farmers financially, technically, and train them to become organic vegan farmers wherever it is possible to cultivate the land. It's quite easy. According to our research and results, organic vegan farming is sustainable, healthy, profitable, and in demand right now because people are more aware of healthy diets of organic farming. First, it will help the world be veg easily, thus eliminating more than half of the greenhouse gas emission which is heating up our planet and endanger our lives. And second, the high-quality organic soil will absorb much of the rest of the greenhouse gas emissions and it will also help to save our planet. Organic vegan farming can save government a lot, a lot of money, 80% of it. Imagine all the tax money coming back to us Yes, or going to a building something better. For example, the cost of trying to mitigate a significant portion of the greenhouse gases, it preserves natural forests, biodiversity and soil quality as well. A study on small farmers in Latin America who uh, switched to organic vegetable farming found that they earn higher revenues than before. And according to respected Dutch scientists, tens of trillions of U.S. dollars can be saved by world governments if all the world becomes vegan. In addition, the governments of the world have the power to make the veg trend an exciting movement for everyone toward a healthier lifestyle. If we compare the trend to tobacco, which is another killer substance like meat, Only after 1950, when the first major research came out showing that tobacco causes lung cancer, the government started to implement smoking bans gradually more and more until today. More than 80 countries have some kind of public smoking ban, and Bravo Mexico also, for expanding to a nationwide smoking ban in 2008. So... Just to compare, studies show that the smoking bans actually helped people to quit smoking and the quitters were happier because of the ban because they know that their habit was bad for them. Some of the tragic tolls of tobacco, 5.4 million smoking-related deaths per year worldwide, cost of smoking-related illnesses, 96 billion U.S. dollars in the United States alone, Depression. Light and mild cigarettes, just as harmful, causes cancer and diseases in animal companions, speeds the aging process, toxic residues of third-hand smoke, heart disease, coronary thrombosis, cerebral thrombosis, kidney failure. Cancer. Mouth, liver, breast, and colorectal cancer. Lung cancer, esophagus cancer, kidneys cancer, bladder cancer, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, emphysema, bronchitis. Stroke, impotence, additional harms for secondhand smoking, childhood arteriosclerosis, leading to heart attacks and strokes in adulthood. Sudden infant death syndrome, infertility, miscarriages and premature deliveries, childhood asthma, 
bronchitis, ear infection, cleft lip or palate, hyperactivity and aggression in asthmatic boys, circulatory problems in women, plus more. For more urgent information, please visit www.suprememastertv.com forward slash killers. Similarly, a ban on meat, which we all now know from the studies, is a very bad habit which kills us and our children, our loved ones, and is killing our planet. So a ban of meat will be a strong current to carry the trend toward a vegan world because a good leader stops what is bad for the people and facilitates what is good for them. They can facilitate, namely through public campaigns using the media and through schools to inform about the benefit of the healthy, life-saving, planet-saving way of life. And I'm praying to all heavenly beings to help as well to further accelerate the trend that we need by manifesting themselves physically, I mean, even just for a short while, because I can't stay long, on our very rough atmosphere. But to come for a while, at least everywhere, to come and manifest themselves on our planet, to awaken the leaders, the media, the influential and ordinary citizens alike, so that our planet won't look like Mars, in the near future. So prayer, combined with the efforts of citizens and the government's and media's powerful support, this formula could bring the fastest and smoothest transition to a stable planet. Thank you, Miss Espinosa. We shall be patient, and meanwhile, keep trying your best and pray with me. Thank you for being a part of the vegan trend. Thank you for loving the animals. God bless you. And your loved ones. Thank you. Thank you, Master, for your understanding of governments and how they can help us. We appreciate your teaching us. You're welcome. Thank you. thank you so much for your compassionate answer. And thank you, Ms. Griselda Espinosa, for your very good question. European Parliament supports reducing meat to lower greenhouse gases. Reduce your meat consumption or stop eating meat totally. During discussions on greenhouse gas reduction goals, the Climate Committee of the European Parliament officially recognized livestock's contribution to global warming and recommended a reduction of subsidies to the livestock industry to curb methane. The European Parliament has adopted its own position on climate change as an institution and as a vice president. One of the proposals I have made is in line with your own, which is that we should eat far less meat because that's one of the major sources of greenhouse gases. Please eat less meat and let's make taxes on meat. That's definitely one of the issues we're talking about. I'd like to tell people what the cost is of eating meat for the environment worldwide.
My name is Jan Salm. I'm a member of the European Parliament. Please, be veg, go green to save the planet. para concientizar a la gente con relación a las acciones a tomar para detener el cambio climático. Nosotros somos la voz, portavoz para informar a la población de lo que está sucediendo y tomar todas esas medidas para evitar que esto continúe y que nuestro planeta desaparezca. ¿Qué opinan de incluir una sección acerca del vegetarianismo y dar opciones como recetas vegetarianas, por ejemplo, al menos una vez en la semana en el medio donde usted trabaja? Me parecería una buena idea, inclusive me imagino que con esto el público que, pues, que le gusta o que es vegetariano me interesaría conocer la forma de cocinar los diversos alimentos vegetales. Más que antes que nada, gracias por la labor, la labor que está realizando en este planeta. Y qué bueno que una persona como usted haya tomado esa decisión de recorrer el mundo para que nosotros, los que a veces desconocemos todo lo que está sucediendo, tomemos conciencia. Gracias por esa labor maestra y no decaer. Es una maravilla, una maravilla la maestra, la felicito de todo corazón y con esto ya es una experiencia que todos adquirimos ahí escuchándola la maestra, es una divina persona, todo lo que dijo tiene razón y todos vamos a obedecer, no es un mando el que hace ella, sino que nos da una, una experiencia para que nosotros nos conduzcamos mejor Después de esa conferencia usted se convertiría en vegetariana total Claro, ¿sabe por qué le digo que voy a convertir en eso? Porque ahora el alimento que yo como me hace daño ya, ya quiero volverme vegetariana de una vez. Sí. Hay gente concientizada y, y bueno, pues eh, yo creo que gente que se va a tarea para meditar en el hogar con la familia, para tratar de convertir los hábitos de alimentación de manera diferente y sobre todo en el, en el esquema de haber conocido lo que implica el cambio climático, lo que implica el calentamiento global. ¿Qué, ¿Qué piensa acerca de, de la dieta vegetariana? Después de la conferencia, ¿pensaría en volverse vegetariano? Bueno, lo cierto es que yo cada vez eh, consumo mucho menos carne. A nuestros hijos les hemos inculcado en la familia que se debe preparar eh, la comida y se debe consumir vegetales, verduras, etcétera. Entonces, eh, nosotros obviamente eh, sí lo hemos llegado a pensar, lo estamos pensando y lo estamos meditando, ¿no? Este, eh, pero cada vez sí eh, consumimos menos. Sé vegetariano, sé ecologista, salva el planeta. Gracias por estar aquí. ¿Nos podrías dar su comentario acerca de la videoconferencia? 
Pues un tema bastante interesante, mucha reflexión hacia lo que generalmente escuchamos para combatir el calentamiento global y pues sobre todo eh, diferentes opciones que hay en favor de nuestro planeta. Creo que es bastante interesante y muy atractivo también. ¿Qué te ha parecido esta videoconferencia? Eh, interesante porque habla sobre nuestro planeta y que lo tenemos que cuidar. Es algo genial porque nos hablan de los seres vivos. A mí me parece perfecta, ¿no? Porque tenemos que salvar nuestro planeta. ¿Tú te convertirías en vegetariana, Mariana? Eh, sí, porque pues amo a los animales y pues no me gustaría estar en su, en su cuerpo o en su alma cuando los torturan o X cosa. Sé vegetariano, sé ecológico, salva el mundo. Como jefa de la jurisdicción, como doctora y en mi vida personal, este, yo recomendaría que todas las personas fuéramos vegetarianas o, o veganos. Recordemos que la carne tiene demasiadas toxinas y que esas toxinas, este, pues obviamente intoxican, como su nombre lo dice nuestro cuerpo. Lo mejor es hacer lo que la naturaleza nos dicta, ¿no? Y la naturaleza es tan perfecta que ha creado la alimentación para los seres humanos. Y la alimentación para los seres humanos se basa principalmente en frutas y verduras. Y lo que dijeron en esta conferencia que me pareció muy importante, y que sin antes de escucharlo yo ya lo este, venía reflexionando es de que los seres vivos de este planeta merecemos respeto independientemente de si somos racionales o si tenemos este, pues, la convivencia con los animales siempre tiendo más a los vegetales y a las frutas y más que nada lo soy por lo que, lo que mencionaban en esta conferencia ¿no? por la compasión que debemos de tener con los otros seres vivientes de este planeta ¿Qué le pareció eh, esa videoconferencia, profesor? Me pareció magnífica. Yo en verdad pude sentir la energía de los participantes, eh, el trato sobre todo de todas las personas involucradas en el proyecto, la buena vibra, si se puede decir, de todos los participantes, ya sea como asistentes o como staff de este proyecto tan bonito. Usted como profesor de una universidad, ¿qué mensaje, qué haría usted para despertar la conciencia en sus alumnos para que cooperaran y que participaran en esta gran eh, lucha para salvar el planeta. Yo pienso que una de las cosas que podemos hacer es desarrollar un poquito de material didáctico, por ejemplo, con ilustraciones sobre, sobre el cambio climático, sobre el trato a los animales, sobre la cultura del veganismo. Eh, tomarlos como textos y empezar por allí por, de, por ahí de alguna manera crear un poco de conciencia hacia los alumnos, obviamente también hablar sobre esos aspectos eh, ¿Cuál sería el mensaje que usted enviaría a la maestra Suprema Chinghai? Um, que continúa haciendo lo que está haciendo porque lo está haciendo muy bien, está despertando muchos corazones, está elevando conciencias y sobre todo yo creo que poquito a poquito está cambiando el rumbo que lleva este planeta. 